0: Hello and welcome to Tennis Pal Chronicles, the podcast to feed your passion for all things tennis. I'm Philip Kim. I'm also known as the tennis pro for the Langham Huntington Hotel in Southern California. And with me via Skype on the internet today is my awesome co-host Valerie Garcia.
1: Hey everyone.
0: How are you doing, Valerie?
1: Oh, just enjoying the day, checking out the US Open draw and getting all excited. It's... For like two days.
0: I can't believe how quick the time passed between Wimbledon and the US Open.
1: I know. It's uh it's crazy. Time flies. It snuck up
0: on us very quickly, and we're gonna look at the draw today as the US Open is just starting. Of course, qualifying is happening. As we speak, and we're going to start on Monday. Yes. And boy, there are some blockbuster (laughs) matches coming up, uh, as there always is at Grand Slams. And this, as you said in the last podcast, this is the last Grand Slam. We have to really enjoy it.
1: Yes, I can't wait. And there's some really uh, interesting first round matchups we got, too.
0: Yeah, tell me about it.
1: Let's see. On the men's side, a couple of them that that stood out to me for first rounders was... um, Taylor Fritz, who we just talked about last episode, he's been playing pretty well lately. Uh, he drew Feliciano Lopez in the first round, which I think should be uh, quite a good match.
0: Yeah, Taylor is really doing great. I think he's up to number 27 now in the rankings.
1: You would probably be be right. He's seated 26, so makes sense.
0: Who else are you excited about?
1: Well, Mr. Andre Rublev. Is he not the Russian who just beat our Roger... <laughs>
0: <laughs> two weeks ago yeah,
1: having a very good I mean that must have boosted his confidence while well, he is playing Tsitsipas in the first round
0: wow! Yeah.
1: so I feel like Poss will probably get through that but Rublev had to have taken a lot of confidence out of that win over Roger so I feel like that might make it a little interesting
0: yeah, I think that's going to be a really great match. He he pretty much destroyed Roger in Cincinnati, which is one of Roger's favorite courts. It's a very fast court, but Rublev was just on fire. He got everything back. He hit with so much pace, and I think it was their first time playing together, right? So it really was um, a tough upset for Federer.
1: In that same quarter of the, of the draw, Kyrgios is uh, matched with Steve Johnson in the first round, which, you know, it's his home tournament. So if Steve can put together a a good match, that could be entertaining.
0: Yeah. Is it his home tournament? Because he's from the U.S.?
1: Because he's from the U.S., right, that's right. all I meant. Not that I don't think he's from New
0: York. No, he's a I California his... boy. Actually, he's uh, oh
1: okay, yeah,
0: <laughs> a local Thousand Oaks. That's why I was uh, surprised at that comment because he is the most winningest player ever in college tennis. He was undefeated at USC. So phenomenal college player, uh, and it was such a transition for him to go from college to pro, which just shows you the level difference between college players and pro players really big it took him years and years to break in
1: nice i didn't know that he was thousand oaks because i is in um sam query's also from thousand oaks
0: right and the Bryan brothers they're all kind of from that area and they must have kind of come up together and had great competition for each other
1: Oh, that's really cool! Well, yay for SoCal! <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think we got to start playing up in the Encino area or something to up our game.
1: Yeah, it seems that way. But I feel like you know when Steve plays well, he is a formidable opponent for anyone. And I feel like if he if he plays well, that should be entertaining watching him and Kyrios in the first round. Um, yeah,
0: he has a definite United States. Uh, trained game, right? He's got a big serve. He he can bomb 130s <laughs> yeah. and big forehand. Uh, he can bomb 130s uh, down the line and, and spin it out wide. And then he does the serve plus one kind of deal. I think Curios is really talented and can really mix it up in a lot of ways. So I don't feel like Curios is going to have a problem if we're just looking at talent. But with Kyrgios, we never are looking at just talent, are we?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: It's funny because in in the last podcast, we were saying, hey, we feel like Kyrgios had kind of turned a corner because he had done so well at Washington. He, you know, he's pulling his same antics, but it was more positive antics. And unfortunately, in Cincinnati, things turned for the worse.
1: Yeah. Well, who knows? U.S. Open probably, you know, gets him excited, the crowd and everything.
0: I felt like at uh, Cincinnati, he actually cared a lot. And I had this thought, maybe you can speak to it. He got super angry. He was really angry at the line judge. And that's kind of not unusual, but it kind of hit me that maybe he cared a lot about that match. And, um... And he was up, he was winning. So it felt like the match was his, but he cared so much that his caring, his stress, I want to win, turns into this kind of emotional anger.
1: Yeah, maybe that's why he stops caring because he doesn't know how to keep himself in check. Because that was quite the news headline outburst.
0: Right, and I think he got fined. Uh, what, yeah,
1: like hundred and thirty five thousand dollars or something along those lines
0: right because he abused the the chair umpire but also kind of spit in his direction which yes you know everyone took exception to i'm sure i would <laughs> if i was that guy <laughs> yeah
1: i mean that's not cool
0: yeah it was a really strange situation but But yeah, just that thought of like he was doing so well in Washington and I I had this feeling like, wow, he probably wants to do really well in Cincinnati. He was doing well, but when things didn't go exactly as he wanted them to, even though he was up, he emotionally kind of imploded or exploded.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So interesting. But we'll
1: see. We'll see what he does. Um,
0: Right. Everything depends on his emotional state. And Stevie Johnson is such a solid – great player that uh if Kyrgios is not on for the day uh, Stevie has a chance
1: I agree I agree and you know there's another fun first rounder I'm looking at a couple couple rows down um Canadian all Canadian first rounder Denis Shapo- Shapovalov and uh, Felix ojeel seem are f- playing in the first round
0: Right. I saw that. And this is actually the second straight year in a row that they're playing against each other um, at the U.S. Open, I think, Uh, which is kind of crazy, right? Like, how does that happen? But yeah, they're meeting in the first round. Um, Obviously, FAA is doing so well. He actually cracked the top 20 in the ATP rankings this week for the first time ever. And um, I think both Felix and Dennis reached the semifinals in Miami earlier this season. So they're both doing really well. Obviously, FAA is maybe more consistent breaking into the top 20. But Mm -hmm. uh, boy, Dennis is so exciting and people love to watch him play. They sure do. What a beautiful, Um, explosive uh, single-handed backhand, right?
1: Oh, yeah. I, I love any game like that. You know, those single-handed backhands are so fun to watch. H- have you got over his haircut? I, yeah, honestly, I haven't seen him in a while, so <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure. I'm hoping it's grown out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you like the long hair.
1: Yeah, but I think, uh, you know, I don't know who I'd be rooting for in that match. I feel like the tennis fan in me is is rooting for Felix, just because um, he seems more consistent and more of a like a... Like he's just more, I have a little bit more hope that he'll go farther.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Um, although Shapovalov, I guess when he is playing on, you know, we've seen what he's capable of. It's just uh, when he's, if he's not like on, it's so much easier for him to kind of fall, fall apart, I guess.
0: Right. I don't, what is his ranking right now? Shapovalov.
1: They, well, he's not seated in the tournament, so that's for sure.
0: Oh, he's number 38 in the rankings now.
1: All right, not too shabby.
0: Not too shabby, uh, but 18 down
1: from Felix. Yes, double the amount. And right here on the bottom of the draw, first round, probably not even going to be a problem, but just interesting in the storyline in the sense that uh, John Millman, the one who took our great Roger out last year, drew Rafael Nadal in the first round.
0: Yes, I saw that. Millman, the Australian, Stunned Roger Federer in the first round? No, was it oh, the fourth? No, round? I think it
1: was like the third, third or fourth round last year. Fourth
0: round, he stunned Roger in the fourth round. Yeah, wow, that's. Uh, I mean, I don't know who I feel worse for, John Millman or or, or Rafael Nadal, <laughs> because you well, feel like if you're John Millman, you're you're just the guy who upsets the party, right? Yeah but I kind of don't think Rafa's is going to have any problems. I mean, it's so much I, harder playing. I really playing. don't think
1: he will. He won't. And because Millman took out Roger, he, Rafael is going to really respect and come out really serious. I guess the only, it just makes it interesting because you have to think that Millman has great memories there. And some, a lot of the players I notice when they have a really good tournament, they tend to like that memory propulses them to like have a, have a good career turnout there.
0: You know, I remember that match now that you mention it, and a lot of it was the heat. Do you remember? It was like oh, yeah. crazy. Uh,
1: was Roger
0: very, was very like humid. sweating, and the, it was the temperature was very high. And one of the reasons they said that Milman won is he's like one of the fittest tennis players on the tour. He yeah. is so fit and so physical, not especially big as a player, but just in great, great shape. So it could be an interesting matchup in that, obviously, Rafa the Bull is incredibly physical as well. Yes. Yeah, that's 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 an exciting one. First round, wow.
1: Yeah, so that should be good. I mean, there's some other first rounders that I'm sure are going to be actually really good. Like I see um, the, the up-and-coming French player, Bear and D. Manure, or Manauer, I'm not sure how you <laughs> pronounce him. Like, they're meeting in the first round, and they're, like, up-and-coming young guys who have a really good and exciting game. So I feel like that's, I mean, there's a lot more really awesome first-round matchups, but I just kind of, those were my standouts that I noticed.
0: How about for the top three? Should we look into that? I, I think it's amazing well, that, you know, the top three have such a uh, oh, a stranglehold on the grand slams. I think they've won the past 11 majors <laughs> and 54 grand slams total yeah, altogether, Rafael Nadal, Novak Djokovic and Roger Federer.
1: Yeah, and I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and say and this does not come out of my mouth often. I generally think that Roger gets the raw end of the deal on draws yeah. and Nadal and Djokovic, Nadal more so, I always think, man, you got the easiest draw. One of the things I always notice is that Roger doesn't get the greatest of draws, but I actually, looking at this draw, think that Roger has a pretty favorable draw up until about maybe the quarterfinals or semis if he can, you know, on paper, he should not have an issue. I actually think that Djokovic and Nadal kind of have a harder road.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, Just in a very brief look at the draw, I feel like Federer has it kind of easier up to the semis. But unfortunately, when it gets to the semis, he has to play Novak. And you just got to think, what is he feeling about Novak in this moment after that horrendous loss to Novak at the... Wimbledon final, the epic historic Wimbledon final.
1: Not only that, but I mean it the the loss at Wimbledon was so reminiscent of his loss to him at the US Open. Oh no semifinal where he had match point and and Djokovic hit that screaming return on the line.
0: Wow. So he's opening you know, up an old wound even.
1: I would think I yeah. would think that it wouldn't be fun but I I actually think that even before I think he has a kind of a, a softer draw than than the others but yeah. once he did get to the quarters he would he would have um possibly like a Nishikori, a Rayonich or a Chorich who if they're like playing really well you know you well, never s- know
0: Well speaking of the mentality of Federer he did a press conference uh just now talking about how he dealt with the pain of Wimbledon and how he's going to prepare and get ready mentally for the US Open. So let's listen to that.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, I struggled a little bit the first couple of days, but at the same time, I was caravanning with my kids, so I didn't have that much time um, thinking about all the missed opportunities. Uh, I was setting up tables and organizing my life for my four children and uh, driving around the beautiful countryside in switzerland so sometimes you have flashbacks and think like oh could have done that should have done that and then you next day having a glass of wine with your wife and you're thinking well actually semis was pretty good even the finals was very good so you go in you go in phases but it took me maybe uh, a couple of days just to sort of get those. Uh, things out of the system, like it takes with everything, and then first couple of days back playing tennis as well, you have a few flashbacks, but uh, overall, I think if I look back, I'm, I'm very happy I was part of a, such an entertaining match as well, because uh, we are in entertainment as well, and uh, the crowds uh, played uh, big money to be part of this match, and I was part of the, the main show with Novak, and we put up a, a great fight, and... Uh, Somebody had to win. Novak was the better man on the day. It was tough, you know, but uh, I don't know. I've been there before. You know, I've had some tough losses uh, along the way and, uh, and so many great wins as well. So I was just more upset rather than being sad. And I think being upset made me get over that final. It's much easier than being sad and, like, dwelling over it too much, you know. And honestly, I've had a great run through the clay, on the grass as well, that uh, I was not going to be too down on myself. So I hope it's going to obviously help me for, for here.
0: I think it takes a great champion to be able to let a loss like that go and move on, don't you think?
1: Yes, of course, and and we know he can do it. I mean, he's had difficult defeats throughout his career, and he's come back.
0: I have to feel – I almost kind of half-heartedly didn't believe the press conference because you have to feel like this late in the game in his career – that one meant a lot he how many more chances does he have you know early on of course he's winning uh, consistently and uh, I mean he won five consecutive US opens from 2004 to 2008 and he had a 40 match winning streak mm-hmm. so you know at the at that point he was dominant and you're feeling like the future is endless right until unfortunately he beats he he, he runs into one martin del potro in 2009 which i feel like kind of psychologically scarred him
1: well and the courts changed a lot since then as well right um but i do agree that that was a a psychologically scarred him and he did mention in that 73 question uh vogue interview that that would be the match he would want back wow um of all the matches yeah so I, i think you're dead on on that but i do also think that they have slowed down those, those courts so much that it's it used to suit his game so well when it was really fast.
0: Sure. So, and, uh, and that Vogue interview changed. was done before Wimbledon, so my question is, is the match that he wants back now <laughs> Wimbledon?
1: Oh, my God. You know what? <laughs> it's Honestly, the match I want back. <laughs> I feel like at the end of his career, it will depend on what he does after, you know, now Right. So like if he goes on to win the U.S. Open, I think he'll keep that Del Potro one as it. But if he like never wins another Grand Slam now, he may change to that Djokovic match, right. Wimbledon match.
0: He'll rue the day of that yeah. Wimbledon loss.
1: Yeah. we'll. I mean, only time will tell. We'll see. But he has a long way to go. And and as you mentioned, abo- right above him on the top of the draw is Djokovic's section, which is full of. Well, at least Djokovic, like the top quarter, has okay. Djokovic drew Query in the first, uh, or he would he'd play him in the second round if they both get through. We assume. And poor Query, right? Didn't you? Didn't we just talk about him getting smashed by Djokovic last podcast? We did. So we have to imagine he'll probably get smashed again, and then Djokovic might play Tipsarovic in the third round, which I think you know he could handle him. Their game games wise, but you know, it is a countryman. And I think sometimes that just can get in your head. And tip Sarovic is a, an amazing, amazing player. He's had some good runs at the U S open too, in the past.
0: I think he just announced his retirement too. So this would be his last kind of year playing and wow. That oh, was
1: wow. Kind his of his a- last grand slam, right? I mean, you, you know, he's going to go, uh, Pedal to the metal, then, right? I mean, I don't think that's that's something to overlook. I feel like Djokovic obviously is way better than these people. However, you know, he is also human, and when these people, if they could play the match of their life, like it could get interesting. So, the fourth round, if if he gets past Tipsarevic, he he can potentially face Wawrinka or Kevin Anderson. Wow, which does not sound like a fun road, right? Right. <laughs> Um, I certainly wouldn't want to play either one of those guys. I wouldn't want Roger playing. That's how I look at the draw. When I look at the draw, I'm like, would I want Roger to play that person? <laughs> and if I say, like, no, then I know, like, okay, that's that's rough. And where
0: has Kevin Anderson been, right?
1: Yeah, right? That's true.
0: I mean, since uh, two years ago, Wimbledon, we haven't really seen him make an impression, and he's actually down to number 17 in the rankings. So you know, maybe this is his move, maybe he's on the way back, which would be exciting. We know Warwinka's on the way back, uh, although he was beat by Daniel Medvedev uh, in Cincy, both of them on Djokovic's side. So even if he gets through Warwinka, I think he faces Medvedev in the quarterfinals, right, Djokovic?
1: Uh, yeah, that's actually what I mean, or Fonini, maybe if he plays well, um, yeah. Thomas Burditch is also in that section um, who, I mean, hasn't done much lately, but I guess you just always think there's certain people who, if they just decide to wake up for a tournament and play like out of their minds, they're always dangerous. Well, you but know, I feel like most likely and as in form right now, it would be a Djokovic Medvedev quarterfinal, which would be quite entertaining.
0: Yeah. And, you know. Warwinka can bring it at a Grand Slam. I mean, that's what he's known for. He really yeah. rises to the occasion, and how much would he love to take Djokovic out, you know?
1: How much would I love to see a Roger Vavrinko semifinal instead of Roger <laughs> All Djokovic? All Swiss.
0: <laughs> All Swiss.
1: Oh, I'm sorry, Tanya and other Djokovic fans. <laughs> I mean it with love.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I was just thinking about that the other day. How strange is the tennis world when I'm actually more worried about Federer playing Djokovic than I am of him playing Rafa?
1: Yeah, well...
0: What a switch, you know? I mean, just (laughs) not so long ago, Rafa was the, you know... Anti-hero, he was the nemesis, you know.
1: Kryptonite, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and now Novak Djokovic, it just shows you the power of Novak. Yes.
1: yes. He has
0: become even more feared to fans like me.
1: Yep he's uh, he's crazy. And-, and
0: the crazy thing is that Djokovic will have to beat them both if he wants to win. Potentially, if this draw plays out. I mean, he he definitely has a tough draw with all of the people you had just mentioned. If he gets through Medvedev, who he lost to in Cincinnati. I mean, what a huge upset that was.
1: Yes, and I I was a little bit more surprised before, but then I uh, was listening to the tennis podcast and didn't realize he was bombing first serves as second serves Mm. (laughs) once he got down. So once I heard that Medvedev basically just kind of went like – into survival mode where he was like, I'm just going to hit first serves for every serve. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah. Um, then I was like, oh, well, you know, when you're willing to gamble like that, I guess, you know, it, it worked out for him. But 99 times out of 100, Djokovic is going to find a way to beat you, especially in a best of five.
0: But I also feel like he's the most informed Daniel. He's the most informed player right now. You know, no,
1: Dan- Daniel is definitely playing very, very well. But uh, if if Djokovic gets through the draw he has and then gets to Daniel, I just think that he will, and because he just lost to him, I don't really think that he will struggle that much on in it personally. Mm. But mm. that's just my take on it.
0: Yeah. Well, you, you've got to think that because Daniel Medvedev is so informed right now, his confidence is really high he hasn't ever won a major you've got to feel like he's he's starting to believe
1: but he's actually not there ever gone far in a major either I don't think he's ever even made a quarter so I feel like if he gets to the semi not only does he have to beat Djokovic but he has to like battle nerves of his first uh, trying to get into his first major final yeah. of his career yeah. it just seems like a too tall of an order. Maybe in next year, if we're talking about this, I would feel differently. I, I, guess, I just don't think he's ready yet, personally. Yeah.
0: I guess if he beats Djokovic, he would have to then beat Federer. <laughs> and then well, his, if
1: Federer got through, if, right? If Hopefully, got through. God I'm willing. <laughs> and
0: and then he would have to beat Nadal as well to win Medvedev. Wow.
1: Yes, assuming Nadal gets through. So speaking of Nadal, since we're talking about the big three, his his section of the draw, which I think is – pretty rough well we talked about millman who we think he's gonna handle well but you know there's potential if it's really hot and humid nadal doesn't like that weather Uh, uh we could we could have a similar situation but then his second round could be kakanakis which um not that not that great but you know he has he has skill and if he comes on the right day he could at least make Nadal work a little harder.
0: Yeah, I think he's coming back from injury. He he's been struggling for a while, but he sure is a dangerous Aussie. I mean, he upset Federer um, last season in Miami, which was <laughs> a heartbreak for Federer fans, but I I yeah, remember that right? that feeling of wow, he can really play on the day. And I feel like him and Kyrgios came up together, right? They were like best friends and so they really trained, they really pushed each other. And yes. It, just, it says a lot for being able to come up in a group like that to challenge each other, push each other on. You remember when we were talking to uh, Jonas, tennis nerd, that we were talking about Sweden and how all they came up from the same area of Sweden and pushed each other on and became Grand Slam champions because they had that that synergy happening. So mm-hmm. kind of exciting. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, I, I assume he'll get through that. And what his potential third-round matchup looks like is Fernando Verdasco. Epic, so, epic. Those are always fun matches watching them to go. Lefty I mean, versus lefty. Yeah, and I think Nadal pretty much owns Verdasco, but, man, Verdasco sure makes Nadal work his ass <laughs> off and, sh- and might tire him out a lot for his round four matchup. Yeah. <laughs> or, you know, he could potentially pull the upset. I don't see it happening. I wouldn't put my money on it. I would certainly can't wait to watch it if that happens. Like that will be a great shot making match when Nadal probably gets through Verdasco (laughs) would possibly be playing Isner or Silich. Oh, wow. In a fourth round, which is pretty crazy. I mean, former U S open champion and John Isner U S crowd humongous serve. I mean, I feel like if Nadal's probably would root for Isner over Chil- Chilich, but uh, both of those guys are a force to be reckoned with. Well, I wouldn't want Federer playing those, right? So that's how how I think. I'm just like, oh my god, I wouldn't want to play them.
0: Yeah, and they're they're both serve bombers, of course, Isner, but even uh, Chilich, I mean, incredible servers. So that's where Rafa Nadal has to become the incredible returner.
1: Yeah, which even- I, we know he can do. We just w- w- witnessed that. Wow. We just witnessed that recently. <laughs> but um, How
0: far back is he going to stand at the U.S. Open, right?
1: <laughs> I know, huh?
0: And even Verdasco has a great lefty serve, so very yes, challenging.
1: That will be fun. And so if Nadal gets through all those, which we assume he will, because why wouldn't we assume that all these guys get through when they generally tend to? His uh his potential um, quarterfinal would be Zverev or Hachanov or Kachanov, however you know people want to pronounce it. Right. Who's been playing great?
0: Yeah, he's really good. He's incredible. I mean, he's number nine in the rankings now. He, so he's broken into the top ten. He's a consistent winner. He's he's really been doing incredible.
1: Yeah, and I mean Zverev. Not so much in the Grand Slams, but, you know, the potential for him to awaken. Like, we never know when that magical moment is going to happen, right? If it ever happens, but...
0: Right. You've got to think that Alexander Zverev hates the word potential now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's starting to feel like Kyrgios or something.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. And uh, and I think there was a split with uh, Zverev and Lendl, so... He no longer yes. has Lendl in his camp. Yes. So he's on a new journey trying to figure out how to get back in, right? I mean, he's still number six in the world, so he's still winning matches and doing well. But, uh, yeah, when when is he going to take out, you know, the top threes? Is, is, he did it. He did it in London. It was an incredible feat to be able to beat Federer and Djokovic in the same tournament. So I think one of the few people who has ever done that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he's, he's capable.
0: I think there was also a lot of issue with, um, kind of legal stuff happening, agents, business. And, uh, he had talked about how he's kind of bogged down with all of these extracurricular activities, uh, versus his tennis. And so a big part of it is, can he get his house in order so that he can play the tennis that he knows he needs to?
1: Yes. Yes. Exactly. I'll be excited to see if that if that happens. Um, and so, who by by seed, who Nadal would be matched up in the semis with would be Dominic Team, um, if he can make it through. But we know that this would not be his favorite surface, so I it, I feel like it opens up that half of the bottom of the draw to where maybe potential potential semifinal matchups for Nadal would be. You know, teams the number four seed or Monfils or Ojialiusim are are right there. They could be um, Kyrgios if he has a deep run, or Sitsipas if he's able to also put together something.
0: A year ago, that was one of the best matches I thought at the U.S. Open at Flushing Meadows was when Nadal took on Team. Both of them not hard court specialists, but boy, they. Beat each other down for over four hours, almost a five-hour match in the quarterfinals. Of course, Robin and Nadal won. <laughs> yeah, in the final set tiebreak, it was ah oh, so painful. How many, how many almost wins is Dominic Thiem gonna have? You know. Yeah, but,
1: but yeah, I love watching them play. They're a great matchup. Yes. Um, yeah. Very exciting too. There's just certain matchups that I just I am like so tennis nerded out. To like watch like I don't care if it means I'm sitting there for five straight hours like I will watch every point and drool over it. it's so mesmerizing the ability that these guys have I love watching the Nadal team matchup and actually a possible third round matchup is Sitsipas and Kyrgios which of course I hope really really happens because who doesn't want to see that yeah that's a great rivalry <laughs> Oh my gosh, they're such fun players to watch too, and and they're doubles partners, and so you'd think it would be you'd think it'd be fun, right? And full of uh, full of shot making.
0: Yeah, and Sitsipas is almost in that same kind of Zverev position where I mean he's uh, number eight in the world. People feel like he has a chance, and maybe he's probably the dark horse, if anyone, to win. Would you say
1: I I certainly don't see why he wouldn't be. And he's I feel like there's probably a lot of pressure on him, too, because, you know, after his Australian Open this year and just because of his overall talent and his drive and his work ethic, everyone does expect him to be the next one. And since he kind of like fizzled out in the last two slams, you know, it's kind of like, well, here comes the hard courts again. So, like, put your money where your mouth is. Like, are you the real deal or not? Or are you going to be lumped in with Verov as this grand slam-like slump?
0: Right. Well, I think that first-round match with Rublev is going to say a lot because Rublev has tremendous confidence uh, doing going so deep into Cincinnati, and uh, it will show us a lot of where Stefanos is right now in his game. Mm-hmm. They have often battled. I remember when they played to get at that next-gen finals, that was uh, – that was a battle, and they their games kind of match up. So I think that's a that's a tough draw for him, as well as you, as you said, Kyrgios. Wow, <laughs> that's going to be yeah kind of epic. Batista Gu is in on that side. Wow, I mean
1: yeah, he's he's been playing crazy on the hard courts recently.
0: Yeah, and Berrettini, who he has won <laughs> two ATP tour titles this year, he he's really breaking ground. So that's that's a very tough side for him.
1: Yes. It should it should be fun. Um, right underneath them, I, I I have highlighted in my possible third round matchup of Monfils and Ojeda Elieassian, which seems like that would also be a really like I feel like the third round is just where it really starts getting like. I want to call in sick every day and I (laughs) want to just like turn my phone off and just zone out in front of the TV and watch every match.
0: (laughs) I think we have to do at least one match where we're recording ourselves live and watching a match. Don't you think?
1: I think it would be fun. I mean,
0: I have no idea how it'll sound, but
1: yeah, if it sucks, nobody has to listen, but uh (laughs) we'll add
0: out all the silences and the dog barking.
1: I was thinking we'd have to add out, uh, edit out all the cursing because um, I would assume that we would want to record something that would be really fun to watch, and then I would get really emotionally excited beyond <laughs> beyond the PG thirteen radio waves. No.
0: <laughs> How great if we could get Nicholas to come down and all watch it together.
1: Oh yeah. Well, if it's like a Nadal Federer final, then I'll have to force him. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's crazy. Well,
1: although every time I've ever watched a a Grand Slam final with him, it's usually me going home in tears, so maybe I'll just be like, you stay at home. <laughs>
0: true. Yeah. Because of the Spanish bull, right? Yes. Wow.
1: So, it seems like uh there's there's a lot of good fun headed headed our way. Um do you think we shall t- look at the women? Did we miss anything in the men?
0: Did you go through Federer's side already? Just in talking Um, about Djokovic, really.
1: To be honest, I said that I didn't think he had any um, real competition until he got to the quarters. Yeah. Um, I mean, he he would potentially, he could play like... um,
0: Cameron Norrie, David Goffin. Who? Cameron Norrie? No.
1: Oh, is that the qualifier? Cameron Norrie. No, he's, he's a oh, established oh, British Nor- player. Cameron Nor- yeah, yeah. He's number down. 60,
0: he's, I think in the world. He's
1: that they wouldn't meet until like the quarters, which right. I I just don't see that guy getting through <laughs> personally. <laughs> oh, well, I feel like Pella or Goffon would. Yeah. Goffon. I mean, Goffon the- just
0: made it to the finals in Cincinnati. So.
1: Yeah. And didn't they have to pl- Oh, no, that I was thinking of um the last tournament. They were playing two matches in a day. I thought I saw Gofan's name, but I'm not sure.
0: Right, he lost um, to Medvedev in Cincy, And it it was a pretty close match. I I liked the play. Gofan was playing really well, I thought.
1: Yeah. I mean, I just didn't think that oh there's Cole Schreiber, Puy, Dan Evans, you know, um in in Roger's section, but um not that they're not formidable bull opponents and not that Roger, I mean, we've seen him do it. I don't know, two, three times at the U S open where he just has these random losses in the third, fourth round to someone who he normally beats 20 times in a row.
0: AKA John Um, Millman.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Or, um, a few years before that it was, Oh gosh, I'm going to forget the name. It was a, I think it was a Spaniard, um, Robredo.
0: Oh, that was so long ago. Yeah.
1: Uh, and there was another person as well, another Spaniard, I believe, which I'm not going to uh, sit here and try and remember the name. Um, but he has had a few doozies at the U.S. Open <laughs> <laughs> in my memory. So I, it's not that I think that he's um, he's past this. But, I mean, in in all actuality, if he's on his game, none of these people are going to give him the amount of trouble that I think some of the other, like the Vavrinka's and Djokovic's half or Medvedev's. Um or the people that like Nadal has. So um, I would think that his first real test would come against like Goffin, um
2: yeah.
1: or like a Rayonic or Nisha Corey or Choric if he's playing really good.
0: I always think it's interesting how they deal with the draw. And uh, I was listening to an interview with Roger. He had just finished a late morning practice with Dominic Team at the US Open and they asked him, you know, are you gonna watch the draw, of course, right? And he said that he doesn't watch the draw, that he would make himself uh, unavailable. (laughs) I don't (laughs) watch the draw, I don't like to watch it. He said that he'd rather, you know, kind of go through it, see where it falls um, and just kind of play through it rather than kind of look at it in advance. He said uh, to the press, you know, it's really up to the press to debate. His focus really lies on The first couple rounds, which, you know, makes a lot of sense. But I thought that was interesting in comparison to Djokovic, who actually does look at his draw. Uh, They said that uh, when they asked him, you know, are you going to look at the draw? He was, of course, the champion. So because of that, uh, he and Naomi Osaka were the first people to kind of uh, be interviewed as, you know, former champions. And so he says he does like to look at his draw and see what's coming up next. Uh, but he, when they asked, oh, do you wanna know right now, that he said, no, no, I'll, I need to kind of do it uh, by myself. He actually said, I need my alone time uh, when the draw <laughs> is revealed. So I thought that was really interesting. Like, how do you prepare? Does it stress you out? Do you wanna know in advance? Uh, do you strategize you know, what, what works for them? Yeah. So interested to know Rafa. I haven't ever heard what he does. So maybe Nicholas can find out for us our Nadal fan favorite reporter. Does Nadal look at his draw?
1: I I I don't know the answer, but I know that like of all the people in the tennis world, I feel like he is so incredibly good at focusing on just the next point, the next match, the you know, the next shot. I I have a I would be very surprised if he paid attention to the draw.
0: He's thinking, my camp does that. I'm just going to focus on the first round. Yeah. 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 And I
1: think that's why he does so good in the first rounds of Grand Slams by demolishing the crap out of people is because he is so incredibly focused and really respects and takes every single opponent so seriously.
0: Yeah, and also he likes to relieve pressure from himself. Uh, In press conferences, he'll often say, Things like, you know, uh, I have to take this very seriously. I don't know how this will go. I'm I'm carrying an injury. I'm not sure, you know, and just really underplay his chances.
1: Yes. Some might call that humility, but maybe it's just a ploy. No.
0: <laughs> Some gamesmanship.
1: Yeah. Well, you know.
0: Well, it's definitely how he deals with advantage. pressure, I think, you know, to, to even Sorry, to tell it's you. it's definitely what? It's definitely how he deals with pressure. He wants to relieve the pressure of feeling like I'm putting more pr- more pressure on myself, you know. I'm just gonna try my best, right? And he, that's what he always says. Oh, I try my best. Yep. Yeah, I think yes. uh, let's talk about the women. Let's talk about the WTA.
1: All right, ladies, defending I mean, champion.
0: I mean, my my most exciting point has to be Serena versus Maria, first round.
1: Oh, oh! I mean, that's probably the biggest headline of the entire tournament, right? right so far, right. I mean, it's it's a headline in the sense because of the star power, but I already have a $2 bet with a friend of mine.
0: Not that we bet on tennis matches. He
1: said, I just have a feeling that this is going to be the one that Maria gets her. And I just like Oh,
0: please.
1: <laughs> I just, I actually love Maria. She is one of my favorite all-time players ever, ever, ever. Um, I hate when they play each other. It's so um, tormenting for me because they are two of my favorite players ever in the history. Um, but my brain says Sharapova is toast.
0: Absolutely. I mean, their head to head is 19 and two, right? So you just feel, and that, that one came, how, how many years ago <laughs> at Wimbledon <laughs> when, yeah, when, yeah. when Sharapova was, you know, she seemed like she was twelve years old back then. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but she was so young, uh, and I feel like Serena just didn't know what to expect. And once she knew what to expect, she never let her do it again.
1: Yes, so I think it's a headline, but I really don't think it's it's gonna be anything worth. Wow.
0: And as Jordan said in our last uh, report, uh, Sharapova just isn't the same player she was right now. Uh, she's struggling. Uh, she's trying to make her way in. She's trying to play as many matches as possible. And this has to be devastating for her to know that, you know, she gets a wild card to come in, and her first chance at getting matches is <laughs> <laughs> against her Nema. You know.
1: Oh uh, yeah. I mean, I guess the only thing that maybe will give her something is that like Serena's has been not playing that great and then did have the injury. So, you know, she did have that back thing. So maybe Maria's over there pumping herself up. Uh, The thing that I love about Maria is to me, she's like the female version of Rafa, not in her athleticism or anything, but just in her constant, like relentless pressure of every point and her belief that like, no, like I'm just going to get this point. Like I'm going to win. I'm going to do this. And, um, She's, she's just like that ultimate competitor yes. Uh she does not give up and I just don't see that she will give up I it's just that if Serena's healthy they're the matchup um and the history but the matchup alone is just not favorable for her
0: yeah yeah and she does speaking of belief she does have a win here at the US Open I mean in 2006 oh so long ago she won and you've got to feel like that gives her something as well
1: yes yes I think um, for Maria it comes down to how she's gonna serve that day if she if she's not hitting first serves Serena just crushes the heck out of her second serve like nothing and then the double faults come in and it just always seems like a broken record every time I watch their match
0: yeah I think like your betting friend said at least there is a glimmer of hope because Serena is not at her absolute best right now But either is Maria. I mean, Maria is down to number 87 in the world now, which is just hard to understand anymore. But she's one of the most popular players uh, in the world and let alone New York. So she's going to get a ton of fan response, too, I think.
1: Well, she is, and and think of also, I guess, the other thing that she has going for her is this is Serena's first match back at U.S. Open since the final drama with Osaka and the ref.
0: Oh, my god! Or the
1: umpire. So, I mean, I'm sure Serena's going to be feeling quite a bit uneasy, Um, and the crowd might, you know, who knows how they're going to react to Serena after last year's stuff,
0: you know? Serena does not love the U.S. Open. I mean... Even in her rant, and I, I hate to even think about this again, that that whole issue, but even in her rant, she said something like, this happens to me every year here at the U.S. Open. And it was like, wow, that's yeah. how she really feels. It came out, you know?
1: Oh, yeah. There's definitely trauma there. And they actually – I talked about it in my fan favorite report last episode The that ESPN has this um, thing called Backstory and they did a Serena versus the umpire special and it was like, kind of like a little documentary on it. And I watched it, I think like two nights ago. Um, it was pretty interesting. I didn't, there wasn't anything earth shattering that I felt like I, you know, um, didn't know that came to light, but it was like a lot of, um, I was able to just relive all that drama and, and emotions that came up from it. And it's, it'll be interesting to see how she reacts. Right.
0: Yeah, it definitely is going to be a blockbuster. And, of course, they have them playing on the largest stadium at the U.S. Open, which I think was a little bit controversial uh, for Maria last year because they gave her a wild card and she got the biggest stadiums to play in. Um, And I think a lot of people were kind of pushing back against that, if you remember.
1: Yeah, I do. I do. But you know what? I'm sorry. If someone fills a stadium, they should be in it.
0: Yeah, and it's good for tennis in in that way.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like uh how when we when we go to Indian Wells and we're watching Roger and Rafa practice on the practice courts, and no one could watch. It's like get just let them practice on the court, because you know twenty thousand people would rather watch Roger practice than the match that's going on on Court Two or whatever. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and sadly, there's like a literally a top. 50 player next to them on the next court practicing and no one cares
1: yeah yeah, so
0: sad and i won't even say names because it's so hurtful but they're still playing great tennis they're still practicing great tennis it's just that star power
1: it is star power and we want to see these people and um i don't know that i necessarily feel there's anything wrong with that um it just it is what it is um and maybe I don't think there's anything wrong with it because I, I do love some players that aren't star powers. But I mean, when you are a champion, a proven champion, and your face is out there, you know, people get to know you better. You just, just makes you more well known because you're making uh, deeper runs at tournaments, and um, people want to root for a winner too, right? Not everyone just picks the crappiest person so that they can be sad all the time, right? <laughs> Once you have some level of success, people are like, I want to root for you because I get really happy when you win. <laughs> and if you win regularly, I get to be happy all the time.
0: Well, and that's what this podcast is all about. It's about passion for tennis and whether your favorite player is an up-and-coming Coco Goff who's who's just coming into the scene or, or it's Maria Sharapova who maybe Pastor Prime. I mean, it's just passion for that person and that player, and uh, that's what we love. That's what we do.
1: Yes. All right. So, it is fun to talk about Maria and Serena, but there's so many other people on this draw. (laughs) Um, Our returning champion,
0: Naomi Osaka.
1: (laughs) Number one seed, top of the draw, uh, possible possible third-round matchup with Coco Gauff, right?
0: Wow, that's great. Yeah, the 15-year-old. Wow, she made such a splash at Wimbledon. It's going to be really exciting to see what happened. There was a little bit of controversy on this, right, because she was given a wild card into the U.S. Open, and there was talk about how they are trying to limit uh, the play of younger players just to make sure they're not playing too much or being abused in any way.
1: Yeah, I think there's rules against it, and they're kind of um, just – overlooking the rule I believe that she wasn't supposed to have the wild card or something um, so yeah there is some controversy but you know yeah. she's in there she's our American born girl and she's uh, she's got that star powers so and she's a feel good story so why wouldn't they put her in there
0: and a doubles champion
1: yeah now <laughs> <laughs> But I don't think Coco Goff has a very easy route. I mean, she plays um, – she she has the potential to play Carlos so- Suarez Navarro in the second round, which is, I don't think, an easy opponent.
0: Right, tricky, um, for sure.
1: Very tricky and, you know, what, a f- former Grand Slam finalist um, – or did she win the French – she, I think she's just a finalist, right? I mean, but that girl, she's a veteran and she's she's a good player. Um, formidable opponent for anyone. I don't think anyone wants to meet her.
0: Beautiful single-handed backhand.
1: Oh, yeah. I do really like her. I mean, it's, it's so rare on the, on the women's tour. So when you see it, you really, like, <laughs> appreciate it. So they could be a possible third-round matchup. I think up there in their same quarter of the draw... You have uh, Kontovit, who's been playing really well. Bencic, uh, our Swiss girl, who I love. You know, she works with Martina Hingis, so that gives me the little uh, feel-goods inside.
0: Right, and, Roger Federer's partner.
1: Yeah, exactly. The and then, doubles uh, partner,
0: not life partner. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, Mirka, don't worry, no. Um, and in that same quarter is Pegula, the American player who just won that tournament, Um the one we were talking about being the the richest oh, uh, yeah. tennis player on tour, the heiress of the um, sports mogul in New York. And they are a huge presence in New York, right? Because since her parents own the Buffalo um, Sabres and the Buffalo Bills.
0: Yeah, it's going to be fun so to see So I, I imagine kind of that she'll have a there. lot of
1: hometown support. yeah hopefully she plays well i mean i I think this tournament she won was was a smaller like the international uh level so she wasn't playing really really top of the line but i feel like when you win your first title she she must be feeling good about and confident
0: yes that's exciting for her
1: yeah so the other fun first rounder right under that i was thinking of you the one the second i saw it is uh Sabalenka, who you're always talking about, drew Azarenka in the first round. Oh my so gosh, that's, that's not tough. very good for her. Yeah. Because Azarenka's been playing pretty well lately, I thought. Azarenka I thought I has been wrong. playing
0: well, and Sabalenka has not been playing well. She's really been struggling.
1: Yeah, so I feel like Azarenka might have a chance to uh, have a nice little open draw there section to make a deep run for the first time in a while.
0: Sabalenka is number nine in the world, so she's still fighting through it and doing well. But I feel like she hasn't been winning titles, and that's been just escaping her. I think she lost a; she was in the final and she lost that one. So it's uh, it's close, but not there yet.
1: And they're both Belarusians, so you feel like you know that just adds a little bit of a excitement element for them to you know. I would just think if I was Victoria Azarenka, I'd be like, I'm the OG Grand Slam Belarusian. Like, this is my, (laughs) I'm like, I would want to take her out so bad.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And you're thinking that as um, Sabalenka was coming up, they were probably playing a lot of matches, practice matches. Sabalenka was looking up to her and, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm sure at that point, Azarenka was dominant.
1: Yeah, so that's very interesting. I mean, in, at least in that quarter, I don't see much more that jumps out as a huge storyline or anything. Um, the bottom the bottom quarter of the top half of the draw <laughs> has a uh, four seated Halop, which to me just seems weird seeing the four by her name. I still think of her as like a number one number two player. I don't know.
0: Yeah, and they both uh, are Halop has a qualifier right in the first round.
1: Yes, she does. I in fact, her um, her quarter of the draw looks relatively uh, uneventful, or like there's not going to be too too many people pressuring her until possibly like Strikova in the third round or um, the fourth round, where she can meet potentially like Andreescu, which would be wow, what a I would love to see that. Like that that's the first one that really gets my blood flowing and get me all excited.
0: <laughs> because she has that, a real shot, right? Andreescu? She I mean, I think a lot of people are really believing that she can win it because she has the game. I guess is she completely recovered from her injuries?
1: Yeah, I mean, does that matter even? Does she need to be completely recovered? I mean, she seems to do well even when she's beat up. I mean, obviously, you want to be healthy to an extent. You can't cannot compete if you're not healthy. But I feel like if she's just a little battered and bruised, she she might be able to even push through it.
0: Because of her game.
1: Yes, her and her grit, man, and her fight. I mean, she really... Uh, I really like watching her play. I'd love to see her and Halep in a fourth round matchup.
0: Wow, that would be that would be a great match, I think. She's up to number fifteen in the world now, Bianca.
1: Yeah. That's great. That's great. Right below them, the in the other uh the next section of that quarter is um Sloan Stevens
0: former champion uh, who also
1: plays yeah who also plays a qualifier but could possibly play kuznetsova in the second round who's obviously playing really well in form right now she just got to the final last week and Ruza, allison risk who you know Astapenko um all these people mertens kvitova petkovic is i don't know i think she's probably um I feel like she's probably an easy target and not going to do anything worthwhile, but I feel like if she was healthy, she sometimes she can have a game of making things dangerous, but I I might just be wishful thinking.
0: (laughs) I think so. Yeah. I think she hasn't uh, kind of brought a challenge to the top 20 for a while.
1: Yeah. It's hard for me to deal with that because I had high hopes for her, but I think you are right. And, she shall probably not pose much of a threat. However, that would would bring down bring up um, some cool like possible third round match of Muguruza and Stevens.
0: Wow! Yeah, that's going to be a good one.
1: Fourth round, like Stevens, Muguruza, one of them, and maybe Kv- Kvitova.
0: You, you, I feel like Muguruza is like the Stan Wawrinka of the WTA. <laughs> 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 she really r- You
1: hit it right on the n- head. Oh my god, that's so funny. Is that funny? Yes. I mean,
0: she really rises to the occasion at slams. She somehow finds her form and can just, you know, really buckle down and hit it out of the park. And I don't know what that difference is in her mind or in her camp what happens, but uh yeah, I'd like to and see. And she's
1: so dangerous when she's on. Yes. Yeah. Just like Stan, like she's got a power game. Yeah. She can really take the racket away from her opponent when she is playing well. So that's sort of the top half of the draw, right? What We can have a potential Halep Osaka if seeding were to play um, in factor. It would be a Halep Osaka semifinal. Pause. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of other people who would have something to say about that. However... When we're looking at draws, it's just standard procedure that you kind of foreshadow that the <laughs> top seeds will get through, right? Yeah. <laughs> so what about the bottom half of the draw? Back to where Serena and Sharapova... Venus is actually in the bottom half. <laughs> and she drew Sai Sai Zhang in the first round. Talk about bad luck.
0: Mm, yeah, the tricky player.
1: <laughs> and she's been playing pretty good... For this U.S. Open series, yeah, she won. I feel like um, she won San Jose, right? Yes, and I think she played another tournament where she played really good. I've been seeing her name a lot in tennis news. So um, recently, I just feel like that's that's a pretty tough draw. I think for Venus in the first round,
0: and she's she's still incredible at her age, playing so well. And with uh, the disability that she carries, you just feel like how does she do what she does? It's just incredible.
1: It's probably her plant-based diet.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Just kidding. I had to get that plug in there for, for fun. Uh, another cool first round matchup that stood out to me right there in the same quarter of the draw as uh, Venus is um, Sophia or Sonia Kenin and Coco Vandeweghe. a nice all-American matchup. And I feel like, I don't know that Coco has been doing anything recently, but when she's on, she's such a fun player to watch and, I just really am a fan of hers, and it's kind of like new school and old school, head-to-head. So I am looking forward to that first-round matchup,
0: personally. Yeah, that's going to be good. Power versus power.
1: Yeah. uh, But you
0: got to feel like Kennan's going to take it. She is so in form right now. She just broke into the top 20. I mean, she's really challenging major players and taking them down, too. So we'll have to see. I, I don't think Coco's in form right now.
1: I would agree, um, Coco has the kind of game she's not in form, but because of her power tennis, she's one of those people, um, that to me, it's kind of like if she's on that day though, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of hard to stop her just cause she hits so hard, but nine, you know, the majority of the, t- the time her game is not going to be on. So I feel like Kennen is way more solid and consistent and also hits really hard, so I, I feel like she's the clear favorite, but it still looks to me like a fun match to watch. And when they when they are USA versus USA, it's so cool to just see the how the crowd plays a role. Ah uh, yes. You know, I think they'll get really into that one. Well,
0: I um, think the crowd is gonna love Ken and I think they have a love hate relationship for Coco.
1: <laughs> What's with the love hate relationship? Well, I think she's, I forget I must be forgetting uh, some drama. I'm sorry,
0: are we talking about Coco Vandewey Yes. Yeah, I just think Coco Vandewey has a very brash and harsh personality. Uh, she comes across as someone who is like overly confident and <laughs> braggadocious and, you know, uh, kind of defies stereotypes, which...
1: That must be why I love her so yes, much. Yes, I, I think really it is. I gravitate towards really confident borderline cocky people.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I guess, I guess that's why we like each other so much. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) I love it. So, uh, in, in that quarter, uh, the other American, there are a lot of Americans there, um, in that quarter, uh, are, our girl, Madison Keys, um, who's been playing really, really well lately. You'd have to assume, gosh, man, how cool would that be? And I think it would be the fourth round match if Kennan and Keys played to get to the quarters. That would be a really fun matchup.
0: Yeah, I mean, as uh, Cincinnati champion, she's walking into this feeling super confident. Madison Keys is uh, top 10 player; She's ranked number 10 now and just Wow, I feel like she has a chance. She's going to be thinking about when she lost to Sloane Stevens, and this could be her chance again. So uh, I think she is playing better, Uh, playing smarter. Uh, She's not just um, killing the ball, as you know she can, but she's really getting everything back. I, I feel like her fitness has improved as well.
1: Yeah, she was running down a ton of balls in that tournament, and I think that like this is a pretty favorable draw for her to only have Spitalina as the highest seed in her quarter. Um, I feel like if if I were her, that that wouldn't be as you know alarming as, as some of the other people that could be in that, like a like a Conta or a Barty or a Williams or something. You know, um, I feel like Spitalina is a good draw for her.
0: Yeah, that's going to be great because she really can overpower her. Um, and if her defense is up, because Madison Keys was hitting feather shots, drop shots, uh, she was getting to drop shots. I mean, she really was impressive in Cincinnati. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited. I would love to see that happen.
1: Me too. I feel like the American women have a, a real chance to make some fun headlines this tournament.
0: Yeah. It's not just Serena Williams anymore and Venus. Yes.
1: I feel like for a while we've, I mean, um, kind of had some, like I, even the year I went, it was, uh, Melanie O'Dan. And then, um, there's just been some other random, like, uh, American women who've just made some deep runs there. And it's, it's always, it's, it's always fun to see. And with Sloan and Madison making the final, um, was it two years ago? Like that, that's just so cool. Love seeing the American women. And now that we have like um, Ken in there and a couple couple others, but actually um, this just crossed my mind, uh, who were missing, who I was so excited to see. And I can't, I feel it's so sad. Um, Anna Samova pulling out because her dad unexpectedly died. That's just like so heartbreaking.
0: Yeah. I mean, definitely our hearts go out to the Anisimova family and uh, Amanda of course not only losing her father but her coach I mean her coach yes uh, yeah Constantine
1: Anisimov
0: Anisimov
1: She's so young she's what is she 17
0: I think she's 18 now let me check ta-
1: Okay but to be that age and lose your dad your mentor your coach like everything I just feel like everything was going so well for her and her game was just so fun to watch And, and I just, I just really hope this doesn't really, really dampen her for too long, but I, I would not be surprised if there's like a year or two just total lull and if she can ever fully recover and get to the top where like we, the potential that everyone saw in her.
0: Sure. Yeah. It's uh, I just looked up her age. She's 17 now, but she's going to turn 18 on August 31st. So it's actually during the U S open, she'll turn 18.
1: Oh well, I'm definitely going to miss her, and I I just really, um, I mean, obviously, as people, we f- we feel really horrible anytime something like that happens. But as a tennis fan, you know, um, for our passion for tennis, it's it's just really sad because, you know, the the potential that our favorite word was there, and the hope, you know, um, she had so much in hope to offer us (laughs) and it's still there her talent is not going to go away it's just that like this is um this is not a light thing right at all and for a young girl like that i just hopefully she has really strong family unit around her
0: yeah i hope so it it reminds me of kind of epic matches in the past Uh, uh federer when he lost his coach uh peter carter um and the tears and and how it really changed his view on life um mm-hmm. and I also think of uh Pete Sampras who was the rock the, the stoic and yet uh he played a whole match against Jim Currier crying through through the whole match and uh it was just so much emotion it was just uh, heart heartbreaking when, uh, his coach, Tim Gullickson had passed away.
1: Yes. Well, I, thank you for bringing up those two points because I, now I feel like I could be a little bit more hopeful again, you know? Um, yeah, they did you go. Just mentioned two of the greatest champions ever who had these types of losses and really it propelled them.
0: So we can only hope and pray for the same for Anna Samova that, Godspeed. Uh, she recovers and, uh, of course, has to go through the process like all humans do when they experience a loss like this. So, yeah, our prayers go out to her. So now we have to end on an up note because that was pretty, pretty down.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, moving along in the draw, um, next quarter down, I, I feel like Conta has been having some really good results. It's her and Vondrasova, who's also been pr- playing pretty well this year. Pliskova, your your girl, uh, who's also been playing well. Like, um, I love seeing Caroline Garcia's name as a like as a seed all um, bolded out on this draw because uh, the Garcia in me just wants always wants her to do well <laughs> for our name for our namesake. Um, so hopefully she can. <laughs> Make a little run here. Sam Stozer, who is a wild card, um, is also in this quarter of the draw, former champion and one of my favorite players ever. So I hope she um, – maybe you probably know a little bit more. Why is she a wild card? What's going on with her? She doesn't have uh, enough ranking points to get in?
0: Uh, I don't know. Let me just check uh, Stozer. I, I mean, she has not been playing well for a very long time as far as wins are concerned. She obviously is a great player sorry for your favorite player.
1: Well, you know, she I'm she had a good career. I'm okay with that. There's so many new players to be really super excited about, so it's okay. <laughs> um not that speaking of
0: not that age is a thing, but I mean she is 35 years old now.
1: She is getting up there in age, and I feel like I feel like Roger has made it seem like nothing but i don't think it's the norm for players over 35 to be kind of in contention
0: (laughs) right especially on the women's side uh, they at least have the advantage of not having to play five sets so Uh it takes a little bit less out of them but i mean this whole over 30 thing is pretty new and i think a lot of people who kind of came up earlier than that like sam stoser you know, probably didn't have the training, the fitness and the mentality, even though she was, she is a incredible specimen physically. She's ranked number 94 right now as of May, oh. but I think she dropped even as of May.
1: Yeah. Cause there's a lot of tournaments from May to now, right? She probably lost some points.
0: Unfortunately.
1: Well, you're right. She is my favorite physical specimen on the tour besides Serena. Um, Speaking of Serena, that's the bottom half of this <laughs> quarter of this draw. Um, the bottom, It's the bottom quarter of the bottom half of the draw. Um, we have Serena in there, obviously, if she gets past uh, Sharapova. There, Sevastova, maybe Eugenie uh, Bouchard, you know, whoever gets through that one. Um, Martich who's been playing well. Um, but I don't actually really see too many really threatening players in this quarter. Um, it seems like right below that is a, is a better draw possibly with, um, Kerber, Mlad- Mladenovic, Milana. <laughs> how M- do you say Mladanovich?
0: Mladanovich, Yeah. <laughs> I can't help you there. <laughs>
1: I'm not Barty, (laughs) Georgie, Sakari. um, Still, again, I feel like the women's draw is way more wide open. But I feel like also there's there's also like not a lot of people who I can see like making a deep run. Maybe there's 10, but of the 10, I feel like any 10 can win it.
0: Yeah, I haven't heard the name Barty yet. Um, And I feel like, wow, she's actually number two in the world right now. Can yeah. she make a dent? Uh, I feel like maybe she's played a lot of tennis and you know kind of petered out in these last couple of months, but can she come back and make a, an impact here at the U.S. Open?
1: That would be really cool to see, um, and that would be a, a fun matchup. Um, to me, of all the seeds, it, it would be the one of the better um, fourth-round matchups, her and Kerber, if they should get through. I feel like that that part of the draw has has one of the better maybe well, I don't know, maybe if it was like Conta and Pliskova would be a really good fourth rounder. But some of them I feel like some of these sections of the draw I feel like don't get really exciting um until like the quarterfinals or the semis. For me, I it may just be because I'm I'm just way more familiar with the men's players um in the top fifty than maybe the women's.
0: Yeah, and like you said, it is wide open. There are so many new names that are springing up and making huge dents in title. And who is going to win this Grand Slam? I mean, every Grand Slam is a new name, so it's kind of crazy.
1: Yeah, and I feel like when I'm watching the women's tour and the Grand Slams, it's like there's a hot, streaky player almost every single time that just has a magical run. And so, who you know, trying to guess the the random name in this draw that's going to have this, you know, is it going to be Vekic or Gorgas? You know, uh,
0: <laughs> or Madison Keys?
1: Uh, Madison Keys. I mean, but she's actually, you know, she's been to the final there. She's been playing really well. So I don't know that I would think of her as the random one. Um, I feel like though, there's always that random person or two or three. That just kind of make deep runs, and um, like can Danielle Collins make a nice little run? Or um, ooh,
0: that's a good one.
1: Yeah, I just saw her name, or like uh, Alice Cornet. I thought I thought she was playing well um, a couple weeks ago. I thought I saw her name and doing well in a couple draws. That
0: makes me think of um, Penko, who's now down to number seventy-five in the world. But what a run that was at the French Open!
1: Yeah, exactly, and like, and a player like her. If she's on, she can wipe people off the court.
0: Yeah, it reminds me of that Maria Sharapova quote we had in a podcast a couple of episodes ago where she said, you can't just take a first round for granted anymore. (laughs) Even more so for her in this one. (laughs) It was like prophetic for her to say that because now she faces... Seren- oh, it's only Serena Williams, no big deal. The greatest ever. <laughs> the GOAT. But uh, yes. first rounds, like you said, the the level is so high and it's so deep that it really could be anyone in the top 100. A Kazakina could take you out. A Puig could take uh-huh. you out. Or Chinese number one, Wang Xiang. She is hitting so well, and uh, she's right up there, kind of flying under the radar in number 18. So, Vondrasova Vondrasova, Kanta. And rescue at number fifteen. Who who is going to make their mark? That's the exciting part of the U.S. Open on the WTA side, don't you? think? Yeah,
1: that I think um, it is really fun, and that that's what makes the WTA so fun is that I feel like although I am um, more of a fan, and I probably watch more men's tennis um, in general these days. Uh, the thing that I love about watching women's tennis is there is so much more of like an any given day, like anything can happen. Whereas when I am watching the men, even though I, I get more excited for like the blockbuster matchup, like a Sissy paws Curios, let's say. But there's so many other matches that I just don't care about because I'm like, I already know what's going to happen already knows, <laughs> you know, um, whereas with the women, it is so much, there is so much more parody and I am able to watch it in more suspense. And like, who's going to be the better player today?
0: So a lot to be excited about for the U S open. Can the top three on the men's side, take it all the way and, uh, make it number 12 for the majors of their dominance which would give them 55 total grand slams oh my for the top three. You know one
1: of them's <laughs> winning.
0: <laughs> and then on the women's side, the draw is open, open, open. Can Serena come back? Uh, Sloane Stevens, I mean, she's not out of the picture. Can she win again? Madison Kizu's is hot right now. Um, lots and lots of intrigue. So, thanks so much, uh, Valerie, for leading us through this really great preview of the U.S. Open. Uh, it
1: was, it's so it's exciting to go through the draw and see. You know, I remember uh, my old pal Walter. We used to go through every Grand Slam for many, many years. You know, we'd print I'd print them out at work and I'd highlight everything and. We would spend hours just in it's just hanging out and drinking a beer and uh just going through every match and predicting and um it's it's just fun, it's fun the potential of what's gonna happen of course, the great thing is is that we don't know, and so we get to find out
0: and we'll be watching as many matches as we can alongside all of you listeners. So thanks so much for joining us. We'd love to hear your feedback. Send us an email, pk at tennispal.com. Let us know what you're thinking. Let us know who you think is going to take the U.S. Open this year. And many thanks to our sponsor, tennisbell.com. If you haven't already, we really encourage you to download the app because it's just a great way to get tennis news. As Valerie is always saying, they're going to be updating the app with all of the U.S. Open tennis news uh, from many different sources. So you can check that out.
1: Love that. In fact, I was just thinking of saying the same thing to go there for all your U.S. Open headlines. But before we get further, can I ask you, do you feel as so brave to make any predictions do you want to call a men's and women's singles champion no way (laughs) so safe philip
0: i have no idea
1: (laughs) well nobody has any idea right but that doesn't stop people from guessing yeah if i gave you a hundred dollars and i told you to go to vegas and place a bet
0: who would you i'd I'd put it in the bank.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't an option.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Well, I I well, feel I, like I'm going to, I'm going to go out on the limb. I'm going to call in a doll champion on the men.
0: Holy cow. Yeah,
1: I don't know why. I just got this little inkling right now to just go with him. Although I'm really hoping that, you know, Roger does it. Um, and I think, uh, Wow, the women—the women's like they're crazy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. The first name that popped out is Kanta. I'm, I'm just gonna go with that. Let's see if I'm magically right.
0: Wow, that's so. If I awesome. am, you'll so dinner. brave.
1: Just kidding. <laughs> I'm
0: just kidding. I'll buy you dinner even if you don't. But of course, you you get dessert too with that uh, cool.
1: one. I'll just yeah. How about dessert for dinner? <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. Well, thank you so much, Valerie. That was really educational and insightful. I've learned uh, so much about all the matches that are coming up, and hopefully our listeners really enjoyed that as well.
1: Well, we can only hope.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, have a great, great week enjoying the U.S. Open, and uh, please write us and let us know what you're up to, what you'd like to hear from us here on the Tennis Pal Chronicles podcast. And we'll leave with our favorite saying, may all your serves be aces.